0: You know this. This is a great scene from from uh, from Dumb and Dumber, and you got this moment. These guys are in the Rockies. It's freezing cold. They're they got no food. They got no jobs. Their pets' heads are falling off. And here they are in the Rockies, freezing cold. And, and, and Lloyd's character is standing there. And what's he got? An extra pair of gloves. Now, not only is this a classic movie uh, scene, um, it's 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 a lesson that I want us to jump into today. And here's the simple lesson. It might seem silly to come from there to here, but it's for real. That when you have something good, you should tell someone. If you have something good, you should tell someone. If you've got an extra pair of gloves and it's freezing, you should tell someone. We do this kind of thing all the time. Uh, we, we live in Wilmington. Wilmington's a great place to visit on vacation or, or just to come out and eat out if you live like on the outskirts of town. And you've done this when your friends come from out of town and they say, uh, hey, wh- where should we eat? Well, let me tell you. Well, here's the thing. If it's summertime and you're in Carolina Beach, have you had a Brit's donut? Have you had this conversation with somebody? And they're like, no. And they're like, it's the best donut in the world. And you start quoting all these facts about Brit's donut because you're the Brit's donut expert. And you send them down there and they're like, it was amazing. Because when you have something good, you should tell somebody about it. Some of your cars are advertisements for Flaming Amy's or maybe your favorite brand of whatever. Why? Because if you have something good, you should tell somebody about it. It's kind of... A responsibility, right? Like, if my friends haven't had Brits Donuts, I need to give that opportunity to them. It's a responsibility, but it's also a privilege. And I want to get right into something right now. The, the message, the best message in the world that we could ever share, the biggest news that we could ever tell anybody, is that God loves us. And He wants to have a relationship with us. And that through Jesus, we can find forgiveness for our sins and the only path back to God. When you have something good, you got to tell somebody. It's a responsibility. It's a privilege. You know, we've been in this teaching series for several weeks now called The Art of Love. And over the last two weeks, I've been kind of painting this picture uh, figuratively and literally of what it means to kind of share God's love. And I want to kind of recap that with you a little bit. In week one, uh, we talked about how uh, there is this first primary component of sharing God's love, and it is character. Your character, is it O-R? a character, all right, it's like an actor, right? I know, some smart aleck told me that a long time ago, and I still don't remember. Um, but, so, the character, your character is the, the, uh, the easiest thing people can see about you, right? They just see you, they just, they know who you are because they just watch you. And we talked about how God, uh, through Jesus, can purify our character. And when people see our character, if we're seeking godly character... It's a way to shine his light into the world. We spent a whole week talking about that. And this is the first primary component, or we've even called the primary color, of sharing God's love. And in the second week, we, we had something different. Uh, we called it community. Commune. See, it's a lot of responsibility to write publicly. Um, community. Now, when you've got community, uh, the idea that we said here was this is intentionally investing time in someone because you care about them, you love them, so you're in- intentionally investing time in them. By investing time in someone, they can begin to see what you're all about. They can be- begin to see how you respond to things. And especially if you're coming in, see this where it overlaps, when you're coming into community with a God-honoring character, you can begin to share God's love in a very special way. In fact, most of us are probably here in this room today because of this. Because at some point in your life, somebody that was trying to have some godly character invested time in you and maybe it was this past week and they just invited you to church and, you, and, you're, and you're in community with them And so they're like, hey, you're here today. Maybe for you It was your community was family like maybe it was your mom or your dad or your grandparents or a sibling Maybe it was your spouse. Maybe it was a coworker, But somebody has invested time in you I'm gonna I'm gonna almost guarantee that if you're in this room this morning You've encountered at least two of these and so here's the deal uh, this first um pr- two primary components of sharing god's love they they might like They they might seem like two of the primary colors that we work with to paint with. The last two weeks, we've talked about how uh, there are three primary colors, red, yellow, blue. And from these three colors, we form all other colors. Either the addition or subtraction of these colors form all colors. And from these three colors, you end up with all color. And it's it's a beautiful thing. It's amazing to, to watch it happen. If we only had access to two colors you could come up with some pretty cool art. I mean, you really could. There's a lot of variations on color. But when you add that third layer, what you end up with is the full picture of seeing what the color spectrum is. And when it comes to sharing God's love, I think that we can take these first two primary components and we can add in a third one that will complete the picture. And this is what it is. Clear communication. Clear communication. Clear communication. Clear communication is important. You've seen it. You, you, we've been to the drive-thru where you try to order one thing. And the person on the other side, they hear something completely different. And you're like, yeah, I'd like would like two cheeseburgers and a large fry and a chicken nut, kid's meal, and a Dr. Pepper. And you, you tell the whole thing. And they everybody like, yeah, so I got a chicken sandwich and an orange juice and uh, do you want some napkins? And you're like... That's not what I said. And you get in this argument over the thing. You just eventually, some of you are more passive aggressive. You're like, sure, that's what I'll eat. And some of you are like, no, let me do this again. Clear communication is important. And and it's funny in the drive-through, but in real life it can be uh, serious. Bad communication can lead to bad things. Bad communication can cause mix-ups. They can cause accidents. They can cause missed opportunities. Many of us have been involved in relationships that poor communication ruined, Right? And so clear communication is key in so many areas of our life. And I think that clear communication might never be more potent than when it comes to talking to people about Jesus. It's in this sweet spot where clear communication overlaps character and community that we can really begin to express to somebody what Jesus can do in their life. When I look at the Bible, I see a group of people who were passionate about what Jesus was doing in the world. And you see this group of people in the New Testament, and they, they, many of them their lives go from being completely far from God to being completely connected with God, and they can hardly stand it but to tell somebody else about it. That's why for the past 2,000 years, Christianity has continued to be a growing movement. Because as people see the light of God in their life, as they experience community, as someone comes right out and says, let me just tell you about what God's doing in my life and what he can do in your life, life change happens. It's an amazing thing. It's a marvelous thing I've experienced in my life, and maybe you have in yours. I know that a lot of you have. We're a fairly new community here in Wilmington, this church family. In fact, actually, I'd like to kind of celebrate that for a second. Uh, we're about a month, a year and a half old, a year and a half old as a church. Can we like, that's, wow. Um, many of you remember the very first day. Some of you were here before we had our, our launch Sunday a year and a half ago, and it was it was 10 or 20 of us in the living room. And uh, so to see what God has do, done through community in this past year and a half or so has been cool. But I've got a question. What are we all about? What are we all about as a church family? Churches get to make this decision all the time. We can say we're all about money. We're all about buildings. We're all about attendance. Maybe we're all about the programs that we offer to the community or to our internal group. Maybe we're all about a, a, a specific special needs group in the, in the community that we're aware of. And so we want to rally around that in many ways. There's a lot of things that we could be all about. Some of these things are good things. Some of these things maybe not the best things. But one thing that we must be all about, listen to this, is leading people to jesus remember last week if you were here i said don't don't invite people to church invite people to what god is doing in your life invite people to jesus it's this amazing dichotomy of on the one hand it's like i'm trying to get you to an event i don't know why i really don't know why i'm trying to get you to this event versus god is doing something and i want you to see it one thing that we must be all about is leading people to jesus and clear communication is about talking to people about who god is it's about talking about how our sin impacts our relationship with God and it separates us from Him. That's clear. I want to be as clear as I can right now. It's about talking to people about how God's plan was to come into the world in the form of a human named Jesus, and that He would take the place for us and pay for our sins by dying. But then because of the power of God within Him, He was going to raise from the dead. You see what I mean? That's, that's clear communication. And at some point, we just have to say that. We have to talk about important things. We're all at varying levels of faith in this room. I, I get it. I totally get it. In fact, I respect that. I think that a lot of us in this room maybe have had church backgrounds. Some of you grew up in church. Some of you have been in church and away from church and you're back into it now. And I know a lot of us are just kind of still trying to find our footing with God and faith in general. You're here with a friend. You might even be here for the first time. We have first-time people here almost every single week. And so wherever you are on that scale of like trying to find God, I want you to know it's okay. It's okay. It's a journey that God has us on. But it's important that we understand that God has a clear message for us. Someone who really understood this was a guy that we read about in the Bible. His name is the Apostle Paul. If you got a Bible with you this morning and you want to read along with me, we're going to be in the book of 2 Timothy, which is in the New Testament. It's that last third of your Bible. Uh, And we're going to be in 2 Timothy, but just let me give you a recap on Paul, if you don't know who he is. Paul was this guy who was a follower of Jesus. uh, But before he was a follower of Jesus, he was actually anti-Christian. It's someone who said, I want to persecute Christians. He would literally go into people's houses who said that they were Christians, and he would force them to renounce their faith. And if they wouldn't, he would punish them. We have a record in the Bible of him actually being involved in executions of people who weren't willing to give up their faith in Jesus. And so this is Paul on one hand, bad guy, bad dude, but he discovers Jesus. He has it clearly communicated to him, and it changes his life. This is the cool thing about Paul. He wrote the majority of the New Testament. Most of the Bible that we follow as, as Christians was written by this guy, Paul, who started out as a Christian hater. And ended up being the greatest missionary to ever live. And so that's kind of this comparison of what God can do in our lives. And when it comes to clearly communicating the love of God, I think we can learn a lot from this guy, Paul, a whole lot. Uh, One thing that he says to one of his students, his student's name was Timothy, a disciple that kind of followed Paul and was learning about Jesus from him. Um, There's this one sentence that I want to unpack today and share with you because I think we can learn about communicating clearly God's word and his message by just looking at this one sentence. We're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Verse 2. If you don't have a Bible today, uh, first of all, it's totally okay to open up your phone and download a Bible app. They're free. There's one that if you just look up, one called YouVersion, it's a great version of the Bible. It's got lots and lots of different English translations. And we also give away free Bibles every week. So we've got Bibles at the back of the room there and some that are scattered amongst some of your seats. Uh, If you leave the day without um, asking somebody for a Bible, we have them you can have for free. So make sure you mention it to one of our volunteers. We're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. Let me just read it to you because this is some teaching that Paul has for this guy Timothy about how to clearly communicate. He says this, Preach the word and be prepared in season and out of season to correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. We're going to read that several times, but keep your thumb right there. I want to take some time to unpack this verse because I think we can learn four kind of categorical things that we can use in our own life. No matter where you are on your faith journey and understanding who God is, understanding what Jesus means to you, I think there are kind of four categorical areas that we can work on to clearly communicate to our friends and our loved ones about what God can do in their life. And the first one is this. I'm going to go to this first one where it's online. It says, preach the word. Preach the word. That phrase, preach the word, it... it it might sound kind of uh I don't know churchy or or, or kind of uh, old fashioned to you especially if you didn't grow up with people talking about the word a lot but man this is an this is an excellent phrase it, it means it means a lot it means basically this proclaimed the good news about God proclaimed the good message about Jesus that's what this is preach the word that phrase the word can mean a variety of things in the context it can mean for for part it can remain, it can mean the 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 content of the bible the Bible is called the word of God. Even more specifically, Jesus is referred to as the word of God. And so this idea of preach, I want to take the word preach. And and because I think a lot of you are like, I don't really want to preach anything. Um, in fact, the weirdest thing happened to me a couple years ago. I woke up and I was a preacher. Like, I never set out to be a preacher. That was not my goal in life. I wanted to be a musician. I wanted to do all kinds of other things. And one day I realized like. What? I'm a preacher now? Like, how did that even happen? So you see the word preaching, like, I ain't doing that. Ain't no way I'm doing that. I'm going to wear a little, little microphone, stand on the stage. I'm not doing that. Let's change the word preach to proclaim, okay? Because I wanted to put it in a language that every single person in this room could go, I, I could do that. I could do that. Think of your spirit, favorite sports team. Think of your favorite uh, computer product or cell phone thing or restaurant, Brits Donuts. We can proclaim that, can't we, right? To the rooftops, Brits Donuts. Proclaim the word of God. Uh, You know, the primary truth of God is that he loves us. And he wants us to turn away from sin in our life. That's the primary word we see of God from beginning to end in the whole Bible. He says, turn away from your sin. Stop living for what you want and try to live for what I want for you. Turn away from sin and live for him by following Jesus. And this idea of preaching the word can be terrifying. But did you know that if, if you're a Christian, if you're a Christ follower... The Bible promises us something pretty awesome. Actually, uh, we're going to talk about it more specifically a little later, but I want to share with you one verse. Uh, this is from the book of Matthew, chapter 10, verse 19. See, Jesus' followers, his disciples had the same kind of fear. Like, what if we don't know what to say? This is what Jesus says to them. He reminds them of the power of God, the power of his Holy Spirit. He says, but when they arrest you, don't worry about what you're going to say or how to say it, because at that time, you'll be given what to say. I've never been in prison for my faith. Um, I've got funny stories about prison for other things, but not prison for my faith. It was a big misunderstanding. I, it all got cleared up. But I can tell you that there's been lots of times in my life where I've sat across a table from someone and they're talking to me about life, and I'm sitting there going, "I have nothing to tell this person. Like I don't know. I don't know what I'm supposed to say right now." And so in, in kind of in my heart, I'm just kind of like in my mind, I'm like, "God." I need you right now more than anything because I got nothing for this person. I have not gone through what they're going through. I've not experienced what they're experiencing. And the craziest thing happened. This promise comes true. Don't worry about what you're going to say. You will be told what to say. I know it sounds really, you know, kind of kind of uh, ethereal to think about. Like these words are going to come into my mind, but it happens. Suddenly, I'm like, I have this clarity. I have this moment of clarity where I remember a scripture, or I remember something that somebody taught me one time, or or just this thought comes to me. I know that it wasn't from my brain. And so Paul says. Clearly communicate. Preach the word. And what this means is open your mouth. Open your mouth. Just, just say what you believe about God. Sometimes it's awkward, but the more you do it, the better it is. I want to get through the rest of these things. There's, there's three more that we see in this verse. The second one is this. He says, preach the word. Then he says, be prepared in season and out of season. This makes me think about sports. I, I'm an athlete. I love watching sports. I love playing sports. I love seeing sports on TV. I love sports. And when I think about a season, I think about a sports season. And, and think about if you follow in the NFL right now. Are there NFL games on TV this afternoon? No. <laughs> but you know what? It's off-season, but these guys are working. These guys are training. Some of them are still running their sprints. Some of them are still working out. The coaches are, are working on plays. The managers and the owners are working on trades. They're prepared in-season and out-of-season. That's how athletes work, and it works with anything else. Any job that you have, if you want to be good at it, you've got to be good at it even when you're not at work. You've got to be thinking about it. You've got to be developing your craft. And it could not be more true than when it comes to clearly communicating. When it comes to talking about God, there's not really any such thing as just try. In fact, the truth is we have to train. You can't just walk out and be like, I'm just going to try. And you just start talking because what happens is we're only reflecting what's inside of us. Training means, I mean, it means lots of different things for lots of different people, but it means... Church is a part of that. Hearing someone speak and talk from the Bible regularly is part of that. Listening to Christian radio or reading from a Bible all the time. Your Bible is, is, is your best friend here. Uh, reading books that other people have written about God concepts this is huge because what is this? This is preparing yourself. Be prepared in season and out of season because when these times come when you've got to talk to somebody, open your mouth and clearly communicate, it's so much better when you've been training. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. This next little phrase: uh, it is correct, rebuke, and encourage. This right here is where we get a little skittish talking about talking about God to people because you know what? That can be that can be pretty socially awkward, can it? To correct someone, to rebuke them. In fact, it sounds kind of judgmental. Our culture is not about that. But this is this is what clearly communicating the word of God is. This is going to your friend and saying, "Look." I want you to know that I love you and I need to talk to you about something. This thing that you're doing, I I think one reason you keep running into this wall is because you're just kind of running from God right now. It's about taking the time to correct and rebuke. And and I don't mean in a hateful way. In fact, this last one is really huge. I wish I could spend more time on this, but there's something I want to get to that I want to save time for. This last one, correct, rebuke, and what? Encourage. Encourage because it's not about saying... Listen, I need to tell you some bad news. You're not perfect. There's nothing that can be done. Like who wants to hear that? And that's not the message of God. The message of God is there's hope. There's a way. You got questions? Great. Let's talk about your questions. Bring them. There's no question that's stupid. Let's talk about them encourage them along the way encourage yourself and say listen these are the steps that we've seen this is how far we've come in this journey let's grow in this together correct rebuke and encourage and right on the tail end of that is this last this last the fourth thing it says with great patience and careful instruction you know i'm so glad there have been people in my life who have been patient with me because i am a hard-headed dude that's my wife Ask my parents like, there's things that, that people have been trying to drill into my head for a long time. My wife is like, put your shoes in the closet. <laughs> this is real life, right, guys? I mean, maybe anybody in your family, there's, there's just one thing, and she's like, and then I'm like, Lindsay, I can't find my shoes. She says, I put them in the closet. I'm like, what's she trying to do? Patiently, carefully instruct. We do this with our kids. We do this with our family. do it with the people we love. Look, when it comes to that correct and teach and rebuke and encourage I've got, a, I've got a mentor who uses this phrase, and I love it. It's this, teach truth, but lead with love. Sometimes the church gets that backwards, I think. They come in swinging a Bible like a baseball bat, and nobody wants to listen to that mess. I don't, and I believe it all. Teach truth, but lead with love. That's how Jesus did. Somebody's hurting, someone's hungry. He's like, let me love you first. Let me show you how much I care about you let me tell you something I think that matters. Teach truth, but lead with love, with great patience and careful instruction. He says, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage, and with great patience and careful instruction. Clear communication is a, a responsibility. It's a privilege. It's a privilege that Paul didn't take lightly. I want to show you another verse uh, from Paul as he talks to a group in a city called Corinth, and I just want to tell you kind of how how seriously Paul took this, and he's going to give a label to this, a position, a title that I think we all can kind of embrace. This if you're someone who's living in Jesus right now, listen to this. This is Second Corinthians five twenty. He says this about himself and the people that are traveling with him. He talks to the church in Corinth. He says, "We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us." You know, keep that scripture on the, the, the screen there, but an ambassador, it's a cool word because an ambassador is a spokesperson. They're a representative. They speak on behalf of a nation or a government or a king or a people group. An ambassador, they go out to say, listen, I kind of have the authority from this group to speak for them. I, I can stamp stuff. I can sign stuff. I can tell you what their opinion is on stuff. I'm the ambassador there. And, and Paul says, listen, we therefore are Christ's ambassadors. And so God was making his appeal through us. He says this to the people. So we implore you on Christ's behalf be reconciled to God. Just keep leaving that up there. The thing that blows my mind about Jesus is the type of people he uses to share his message. Do you remember what I told you about, Paul? He's literally. I'm not trying to hyperbolize, hyperbolize this. I'm trying to exaggerate. He literally drags people out of their house and executes them if they won't, if they won't renounce Jesus. That's, that's, that's like ISIS mess right? This is Paul. Yet God's willing to look at Paul and say, listen, you've had your heart changed. You've had your life changed. And here's what I want to do. I want you to be my ambassador. So often I feel unworthy to stand on this stage and talk. And maybe that's the thing that keeps you from wanting to clearly communicate Jesus to people because you're like, who am I? Who am I? I make mistakes. I mess up all the time. I think there's two things we learn from this passage. The first one is that God specializes in using messed up people to communicate his truth. And the second thing is this. We see a picture a perfect clear example of what it means to clearly communicate. The people living in Corinth are are bad people. They really are. If you research the city of Corinth, it was a port city, a lot like Wilmington, except a lot bigger. And so it's a it's a hodgepodge, a melting pot of all kinds of different cultures. And their religious situation there was really shady. In fact some of the ways they religion, they, they worship was through temple prostitutes and, and all kinds of things that just it led to vile, uh to immorality and things like that as you might can imagine. And so Paul talks to this group of people in Corinth and he says, listen, I implore you, be reconciled to God. Was it socially awkward to say that? I bet it was. Did it push him away sometimes? I bet it did. He's like, I love you too much to let this go. When you've got something good, you've got to tell somebody about it. We've got a hundred reasons for not opening our mouths and clearly communicating the message of God. And, and sometimes it's because it's socially awkward. And sometimes it's doubts and fears that we're still working through. And sometimes it's fear of rejection. Because, like, man, if I tell this person that, and they're going to they're gonna run me off. And I get it. It's all about timing. It's about relationships. You don't want to just go knock on a complete stranger's door and just start talking to them about stuff. And they're like, I don't even know you. Get off my doorstep. We're eating supper. Like, Don't do that. You start here. Character. Community. But We've got to cross this line and say, clearly communicate what God has for you. And that's the gift of Jesus. What are we all about? We've got to be all about leading people to Jesus. Uh, I want to tell you a, a, a last story. I remember a story I heard about someone talking about Jesus to a famous atheist. Uh, maybe you've heard of uh, Penn Gillette. He's part of the comedy group Penn & Teller. You see the guy, is kind of a kind of big guy with a goatee, keeps his hair in a ponytail brilliant guy he's a brilliant man uh he, he he's an author he speaks about a lot of things he's also a very outspoken atheist and so there's this story that he tells uh, that one night after a show uh, a christian comes up to him and, and he understands that Penn is uh an atheist and he says hey pen I'm, I'm one of your biggest fans but listen i want to tell you about jesus and so pen listens to him talk about jesus and then the guy gives him a bible and it was a really short exchange and pen was moved by this so he goes home and he gets on youtube and he makes this video you can look it up It's it's really easy Uh, define. He says this. He's he's really moved by what this Christian says to him as an atheist. He says, if you believe that there's a heaven and a hell and that there might be people who could not inherit eternal life and you think, well, that's not really worth telling them because it would make it socially awkward. He says this. How much do you have to hate someone to believe that everlasting life is possible, but not tell them that? I mean, if I believe the truck was going to hit you and you didn't believe it? And that truck was bearing down on you? There is a certain point at which I tackle you. <laughs> and this is more important than that. Penn doesn't believe in God. I, I, man, I prayed for him last night. I hope that he does one day. Um, but isn't it interesting that he wasn't offended that somebody just wanted to tell him? He was actually proud of the guy. He builds the guy up. He said, that, that was a good man. Let's be people leading people to Jesus. Who is in your life that you need to clearly communicate with? Someone you've already built community with. They see your character. They know that you're not perfect, but they know that you're working on it. Who is someone that you need to clearly communicate with and talk to? The art of love is leading people to Jesus. It's a responsibility. It's an honor. It's a privilege. This morning, I'm really excited to have some good friends of mine here with me. Uh, in your in your seats, you saw a little sheet of paper for Sean and Marianne Cooper. Uh, they're missionaries to Southeast Asia, and uh, in their context, they're doing some really cool things. They're church planters. Uh, I, I, Sean and I and and, and Marianne both uh, go back way back to teenage years. We actually went to the same summer camp together, and. Uh, We've been on the same journey together over the last few years. We've moved here to work and start Venture Church, and they've moved to Southeast Asia to work with a group called Pioneer Bible Translators. And so over the last couple of years, we've kind of realized we're kind of doing some of the same stuff. He's going to get up here in a second and share some of that, so I don't want to steal any of his thunder. But one thing we talked about was we're doing kind of the same stuff. We should kind of embrace one another as kind of sister churches across the world. And these guys are doing some really amazing things. They're, they're with a people group who just absolutely, uh, there aren't Christians. In, in a couple thousand people in the group that they're working with, there's something like 50 believers in that group. And so they're really going into a place where it's hard for them to even get conversations with people going. Uh, I, I don't want to tell any more of their story. I want to set them up as, uh, they would tell you, they're the first ones who would say, look, we're not the perfect examples of what to do, but I don't want to say they're encouraging. They spoke to some of our volunteers this morning and it really lifted us up. Um, there's someone who is saying it's important to open our mouth. It's important to clearly communicate. And I'm going to let a video get them started, and then Sean is going to come up and
1: wrap us up.
2: Hey, I'm Sean. I'm
1: Mary Ann. We work with Pioneer Bible Translators. While I was in college, I learned that there are people in the world that don't have the Bible yet. There are 2,100 language groups that don't have the Bible uh, yet translated into their heart language. I can't think of a bigger injustice than people being void of God's
2: word. So at PBT, there's uh, this vision of like um, a multidisciplinary team approach. And so for our family, we want to be a part of the uh, this church planning movement, a part of leading that movement among the people. We have other teammates who want to be a part of the actual uh, Bible translation effort um, and then we have other teammates who want to do community development through medical work. And uh, beyond all that, we want to see literacy as a part of the whole picture too. So it's, we usually communicate, it's like the four points on a diamond. This team with PBT, um, Bible translation, church planning, literacy, and community development. And those four points on the diamond come together to surround a people group who is without God's word, who is without the church, and to support each other and be accountable to each other to see this vision and mission accomplished. So for us, the particular role we have on that team is to be the church planner. We want to be that that person in that role that leads people uh, into a point of decision about Jesus and then to disciple them after that decision has been made. We just continued to be led to, to go to Southeast Asia, and uh, we began praying for this uh, one-people group. Um, that... Not only don't have the word of God, but there is no light of Christ among them at all. It's a completely dark place. There's no body of believers anywhere. Uh, we've gone to this people group. We've, uh, we've met them. We've had conversations. We've shared stories of Jesus with them. And, uh, it's been incredible to see the confirmation that he's brought in our life, uh, for this calling. In moving to Southeast Asia, I realized that, yeah, my greatest struggle is fear. Uh, I just, uh, I didn't realize how much I I care about what other people think. When we
1: got to Southeast Asia, we knew, um, you know, there are things that we're going to have to deal with that we don't necessarily deal with in America, Um, with um, mosquito-borne diseases, malaria, dengue fever, things like that. It's been a real struggle for me to trust trust the Lord with our two children. a lot of times I just I want to make that my idol. And One thing that someone said to me that really encouraged me was, if you're doing God's will, if you're walking with the Spirit, that's the safest place for you to be with your children and your spouse as a family.
2: It's honestly this clear picture of the spiritual battle where like God is trying to lead us into something great uh, for who He is and what He wants to bring about in the world and the change He wants to see in people's life. And then Satan in our flesh is fighting with all their power to stop that from happening. personal vision of Southeast Asia is to see a spirit-led, disciple-making movement among this people. You know, we want to be able to share God's heart with them. We want to be able to share the stories of Jesus with them. We want to see um, places uh, in their life where they can come to a point of decision.
1: But, you know, since we've been over there, we feel like um, we have seen people... Uh hungry for truth. We've seen people hungry for um, Jesus.
2: God wants us to communicate his message. He wants us to engage with people. He wants us to to be in life and community with people.
1: As our story plays out, um, we're excited about what's happening next. I'm going to read um, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. It says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. When I read that, at first, I always thought that meant the Lord was being patient with the lost, but really, he's being patient with me. He's talking about about me here. He's being patient with me. God desires to use me and Sean and you to bring the good news to the lost, and we're looking forward to what he's going to continue to do through
2: us. Good morning, everyone. I just want to say thank you first uh, for uh, for Chris and for uh, the body here. And I to come and uh, share some of our story. I want to take time to, to communicate a challenge to you guys to communicate uh, more about this uh, this life uh, in Christ and about taking what you have in Christ, and opening your mouth and saying it to somebody else. Uh, The message God's really laid on our heart this time is uh, what does it look like to walk daily in the Holy Spirit? So when we come to Christ, when we accept who Jesus is, uh, we're not left alone. We're not left alone to figure out what faith is. We're not left alone to figure out what it means to walk with Him daily. We're given a gift. We're given a guide, a counselor who is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. Uh, There's a verse here, Luke 4, if uh, Patrick is able to get back to that verse. Jesus goes out into the wilderness at a time uh, before he begins his uh, public uh, ministry. And in the wilderness, he fasts four days. He's tempted by Satan, and he overcomes that test. And at that time, it says he is filled with the Holy Spirit. He comes back to his hometown. He goes to the synagogue, the place of worship for the Jews, And he does what he often does. And he pulls out a scroll, a scroll from the book of Isaiah, and he reads these words. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, in this passage... Jesus is saying, I am the one the Spirit of the Lord is on. He tells the people in the synagogue there, in that place of worship, the Spirit is on me, I'm the one that's fulfilling this prophecy. And Beyond that, he's not necessarily communicating about physical sight, physical oppression, or physical imprisonment, and freeing people from that type of bondage. He, what he's doing is he's proclaiming a spiritual kingdom, the kingdom that he brought to earth. That people will be freed from spiritual blindness. People be freed from spiritual oppression, from spiritual bondage, imprisonment. The same spirit that's on Jesus in this passage is the Holy Spirit. The spirit that comes into us, that dwells in us when we come to Jesus. We're not left alone. Uh, you can look at other places in the Word. The one I want to look at is uh, right after uh, what uh, Chris was just saying a second ago. Matthew 10 is when he sends out his 12 uh, students, his 12 disciples. He sends them out. And uh, Chris was telling one of the things he communicates to them is that when they don't know what to say, when they don't have the words to say, God will show them what to say. But the next verse says, For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. The Spirit is the one who gives you the words to say when you don't know what to say. You can look over in Romans chapter 8. It says when we go to pray, and we don't know what to pray, we don't know what we need or to communicate to God, what to praise Him for, what to request that He would help us with in life. It says the Spirit yearns, the Spirit intercedes for us, and we don't have the words to know what to pray. You can go on, and there's this incredible passage in John chapter 3. that says the Lord God gives the Spirit without limit. There is limitless access to the Spirit of God if you come to Christ. It's limitless. It's never ending. And He will give it as long as you keep asking Him to lead you in the Spirit. In the book of Acts, we see glimpses of this life in the Spirit. You can look at the story in Acts chapter 10 as a story of Peter and Cornelius. And uh, these two guys are being spoken to at different times by God. Peter through a vision communicating to Peter that Peter, Jesus came not only for your people, not only for the Jews, but for everybody in the world, that all people can know Christ. And then Cornelius is over here. He's receiving a message, and he should send for Peter because Peter has the word of God to open up Cornelius' mind, his heart, to Jesus and to what can change his life, to what he's seeking. And these two guys come together, Peter and Cornelius come together, And this incredible thing happened where the Spirit descends on that place as Cornelius and those around him believe. In Acts chapter 16, there's this incredible picture where Paul, as Chris was talking earlier, is on a missionary journey. He's out traveling. He wants to go to one city, and the Spirit will not allow him. He tries to go to another city, and it says the Spirit stops them, prevents them from going to that city. And then he goes to sleep that night, and he has a vision. He has this dream of a Macedonian man. Another place in that context, a Macedonian man calling out to him, Peter, I mean, Paul, Paul, we need you. We need to hear the message you have. Will you come to us? And it says there after that, that Paul and his group concluded that that was God's way of leading them to the Macedonians. God speaks to us in incredible ways, in all kinds of different ways. He speaks to us through his word, uh, through prayer and interaction with him, engaging with the Holy Spirit. He speaks to us through others who are believers Uh, within the body. Uh, He might speak to us by bringing a thought to our mind or giving us a word to say at a particular time. I want you right now to close your eyes or focus your attention in some way. Think of a time in your life, if you're a believer in Jesus, if you accepted Christ, and even beyond that, if you're seeking God, think of a time in your life when God was impressing on you to do something. The Spirit was impressing on you to do something. Maybe it was to say a certain thing to a certain person. Maybe it was to call up a certain friend or meet with somebody. Maybe it was to go to a certain place that you hadn't been for or that maybe you needed to go to because of a certain purpose. Maybe it was to stop doing something that you're doing right now. What is a time in your life when the Spirit was impressing on you to do something? Now, in that moment, when God's speaking to you when God's leading you when the spirit is impressing on you, you basically have two options. You could say, well, no, I don't think I want to do that right now because, you know, it doesn't really fit into my plans. It doesn't fit into what what I want to do or God. You know, I can't do that because I'm not adequate enough. I I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know how to approach this situation or maybe you're like me. And when God leaves you and he's impressing on you, you're gripped with fear. (laughs) And you're just afraid to do what God wants you to do. You're just scared. Think of another time in your life where, without hesitation, in the moment, you just said, yes, God, right now I'm going to say that thing to that person. I'm going to go to that place. I'm going to meet with this person. I'm going to stop doing the thing that you're leading me to cut out of my life. When I say yes to God, when I say yes to the Spirit, I experience a deepening of my faith. I experience a joy. I experience a confidence. I experience trust in who God is because the fearful thing I thought was going to happen didn't happen. I was in Kalimantan, the place where uh, this people group lives in Southeast Asia. I need to get from one city to another city. And I had this driver that had taken us on a previous trip. And we started some good conversations. So, two weeks before this trip, I made a commitment. I was praying, God, I want to ask this driver to take me again. And in that car, I want you to help me communicate what's important in life, to speak to this guy about Jesus. So I get there, and I call up this guy's name, in And I say, Pacrezali, can you take me over to this other city? It's about a six-hour drive. He says, sure, let's go. So we get in the car, and we start talking. Uh, About an hour and a half, just normal communication, just getting to know each other, laughing a little bit, talking about the area. And then I just get a little tired, take a little break. Well, in that lull is when it happened. God started impressing on me. Sean, you've been praying for this guy. <laughs> you've been asking me to help you to communicate about what's important in life, to share Jesus with Pacer Zali. And at that moment, to open up that conversation, I feel like God was asking me to say, ask Pacer Zali if I'm a loving God. Do I, as creator, love my creation? Do I love mankind? And so what did I do? (laughs) For 30 minutes, I tried everything inside of me not to say that one thing to Pak And it started out like this. I was like, okay, you know, I can't say this to Pak because he is a devout Muslim man. He's been to Mecca twice. And if I say this to Pak he's going to get offended. He's going to put me out of this car, and I'm going to be in the middle of Indonesia in the swamp with nowhere to go. Well, God, you know, I can't say this hypocrisy because, you know, we're speaking another language and, you know, it's going to get confusing. The language is going to get real complex and I'm going to get lost and we am going to have to stop the conversation. So why even start? And all of that is a spiritual battle. If you're in Christ and God is trying to lead you by his spirit into something incredible for his spiritual kingdom, for his kingdom on earth to come, Satan and your flesh will be there every single time trying to stop you, trying to prevent you from bringing about what God wants again in the world. So about the 15-minute mark, I said, okay, I've got to say this. This is obvious. God wants me to say this. When the clock turns 7.58, then I'll say it. (laughs) When I pass next stop time, then I'll say it. You know, when we get to the next village, then I'll say it. Well, finally, I just say, Pacers Alley, do you believe God's loving God? Do you think he loves us? And then we were able to talk for three and a half hours about what's important in life. And I was able to clearly communicate to Parker's Jesus is the greatest sign of God's love for us. And that I never in my entire life could do enough to win back what I lost when I sinned against God. God's holy. He can't be connected with the sinful people. But Jesus covers us, and in Christ, we can have relationship with God again, and we can come back and know what he wanted in the beginning. But the saddest thing about that whole conversation was the very first thing Parker's said to me. I said, do you believe God's loving God? He said, if I do what I'm supposed to do, if I live a good life, then God will love me. And that's just not the truth. God loves us all. It doesn't matter who you are, where you came from, what your background is. It doesn't matter what you believe right now. If you murdered a thousand people, if you're with ISIS, he loves us all. And he will not stop chasing after the children he's lost. And he wants to use all of us who come into Christ being led by his spirit to communicate That love to the world. Let's pray together. God, your incredible God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for the unity that comes in Christ. Thank you for providing a guide for us, a counselor that in each moment of the day we can rely on, we can depend on. And even when we don't know that we need it, you are there. God, we learn to trust you. We learn to lean on you in those times where it's difficult, in those battles where Satan and our flesh is trying to rip us away from the life you want us to have. God, will we be your messengers, your ambassadors, to communicate your love to the world, to communicate the love that you showed through Christ. Lord, may people who are lost, living in false truth, come to know. And see who Jesus really is. We pray it in Christ. Amen.